This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Pangarang people. We pay our respects to their elders, past, present and emerging, and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded, and the modern Australian nation has never come to terms with what was done to Indigenous people following European arrival. Well may we say, God save the Queen, because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart too. Better ways to push and pull. Hey, whatever gets you through these days. Hello, and welcome to Well May We Say, a progressive podcast about Australian politics. This is episode 142 for Friday, 22nd of January 2021. I'm Jeremy Siapirko, and each week I'll be joined by a different guest host to help me discuss what's just been happening to the country, what's likely to happen, and hopefully what we can do about it. Tonight's guest host is actually a returning guest host. It's my beloved wife, Denise Siapirko. Welcome back. Hello. Good to be here. Uh, we survived. We did. Why did we survive? Well, there was a non-zero chance that we might not survive the Trump presidency. <gasps> oh, and that's we right. we came out of the other side of it. Uh, that's right. By we, I mean humanity as a whole. It could have gone on. He could have decided to take us all out with him. I mean, maybe the te- there were checks and balances that work, but I'm glad we didn't ultimately have to rely on them, as far I, as we know. I, too, am glad for that. Uh, I think our Prime Minister might not be quite so glad with the, the switch. No, no. He said that he will continue to work with Biden and, and they will continue to have a good relationship and, and the important relationship that they have. I, I, I am loving watching the... And by loving, I mean... I don't know, what's a, that's not really the accurate uh, description of the emotion. Mildly amused by uh, this biz schadenfreude, but it's also tinged with the fact that we're all going to suffer as a consequence, that, that this particular mob in Canberra were so tightly entwined with the Trump mob, yeah. to the point of you know, that, that medal of freedom that Scummo got from Trump, that among a world leaders, Scummo wouldn't criticise Trump for inciting the mob to raid the US Capitol. Oh, it's not his place <clears throat> to criticise a world oh, leader. Oh, isn't it? Because... Uh, he, they do whenever it's convenient, but then, but then it is his place to criticise yeah. the foreign leader. Like, but, but alone among world leaders, really, like you know, even even your Boris Johnsons and so forth were yeah. happy to criticise Trump for that. And uh, they're also happy and they're welcome to Biden's speeches to say a good like "see ya," don't let the door hit you on your way out to Trump. Because there were a few like not very veiled ones like that. My favorite thing that uh, Scummo said was that he's really happy to work together with Biden to continue work on really important issues like climate change. Oh, good, because Australia's going to be very isolated over climate change now. Yeah. Because our, you know, obviously our approach has always been the what if what if instead of doing something positive, what if we burned more coal? What if we burn more coal? Let's burn more coal. And Trump was okay with that. Trump was encouraging that. And Trump was our ally on that. But Biden's but what first action is... coal? <laughs> Sorry, I thought you were joking. <laughs> no, I was joking. Yeah, Lol. Um, anyway, so uh, Australia's going to have a bit of duty under this mob uh, relating to... Well, what, what did, what did Trump... Scummo get the medal from Trump for was it following Trump making a request for Scummo to help him you know dig up dirt on Joe Biden? Do you think that that will in any way inhibit the relationship between Scummo and the new U.S. president Joe Biden? Um, maybe. However, I also think Biden is a consummate politician and professional and will work with everyone that he needs to work with. I just think it means that we might go low on the calling list. 
Oh, hell yeah. Hang on. Biden. That's okay. I'm fairly sure that he's going to really appreciate the very sincere welcome that he got from Netanyahu as well. Yeah. Um, Yes. Uh, After Netanyahu campaigning very vigorously for Trump. Yeah, I'm sure sure he's going to get his calls returned immediately. Hang on. Let's not not pretend that Biden is anything other than the fairly centrist to the right neo-godlet. Like, the the thing that... Did you see that that one of the lunatic far-right GOP... Congress people or senators, I'm not sure, uh, has has brought in articles of impeachment against Biden this morning. <sighs> Do you know what it's about it's about the thing where they, where he supposedly bullied the Ukraine into sacking a prosecutor, uh, or they or they would withhold a billion dollars. And there's video footage of him saying, and weirdly for a thing that they think was about or they're trying to claim was about. Uh, a prosecutor that was digging into his son mm. and it was corrupt. Weirdly, there's footage of him quite proudly talking to a whole room about pressuring the Ukraine to sack this prosecutor, which makes you think, wait a minute, that's a bit of a weird thing for him to do if it was, if it was purely a bit of nepotism. Um, but no, it turns out that the prosecutor in question was one that the IMF and, and uh, Europe and a bunch of basically all, everyone around the world wanted sacked because he was, he was corruptly helping the Russian oligarchs mm. in the Ukraine. Um, so it had nothing to do with Biden. But they've got the footage of him being like, Oh, I said to them, if you, if you want that billion dollars, you're not getting that billion dollars if you don't sack the prosecutor. So it doesn't really back the impeachment thing. It does back the idea that, that Biden will throw the US's weight around. Yes. Anyway, so that's not going to be so good for, for this version of Australia under, under Scummo. But I, have you noticed that the... Uh, actually, the shovel had a thing uh, of Fox News being like, uh, as they're reading out the, the inauguration speech, continuing to suggest that, you know, there's no real, not really any way for Biden to come back from these numbers at this point. And I, it would have been more accurate if instead of being Fox, it had been Sky News Australia because yeah. they're still... Like, oh, they, they, they held out longer than Fox in the US for, yeah. for Trump. And, of course, uh, when the banning... We haven't recorded the episode since the bannings started happening and Trump lost his Twitter account and a bunch of neocons calling for insurrection, weirdly, Facebook and Twitter, decided at this point to be courageous... Now yeah, that Trump's losing courageous. his power, <laughs> finally courageous. do what they should have done years ago. Uh, well, better late than never, I suppose. But no, they, they should have done it earlier. He caused real actual harm. Yeah, well, it's been amazing how, how little harm he's been able to do since they took his toy away from him. Well, I did see one hilarious thing on a Reddit thread where someone had posted, um, oh my gosh, I figured out a way to, to get the parlor app back. What you do is you delete it. Yes. And if you delete it on all the data off your phone, it'll then reappear. No, no, you can delete it and then reinstall it. The yeah. way to fix the problems you're having with parlor is to delete it and then reinstall it. And then all these, all these uh, right-wing loons are like, that's not true at all. You need to delete, remove this advice. I deleted it and couldn't re-download it. Because it's no longer on any of the services. Yes, it was great. But the point I'm making here is that the right wing in Australia, the, the, the Sky News After Dark lunatics have been, uh, who were, were Trumpers for as long as possible, but they and your Corey Bernanke, in fact, Corey, the, the, the two circles, mm. the, the, the circle, the superimposed circle of Corey Bernanke and lunatic uh, Sky News After Darkers has it combined because he was actually hosting Sky News After Dark. Yeah. Like, anyway, they've been very heavy on, we need to rein in big tech. Big tech is too powerful. These big corporations are unaccountable to anyone. They have no no, no government seems to be able to rein in their excesses, and they have huge. They, they can abuse this enormous power that these large corporations have. We need to do something about it's it. It's good they've seen the light. That's the thing, isn't it? So because because it was being deployed against them, they're something like no. 
And this is what I, what I was thinking. Nice. Uh, I, I may have I ranted about this to you in generally. I probably have. Yes. Good. Well, <laughs> so that yes really <laughs> really conveyed a chilling chilling message, <laughs> impression of our lives. <laughs> so, I don't know if that's entirely accurate, but anyway. The dark shadow fell across everybody <laughs> listening to this podcast. Look, I'm just saying that you do sometimes rant about one or two things. I really regret even asking you on the podcast will I rant about anything. No, the, point, the, thing, the thing that occurred to me about that, and, and you sort of alluded to it, was it's like, do you remember when they were uh, complaining about house prices as a justification to destroy the super system? Yep. And the point I made was, well, hang on, we, we should... In response to that, you don't argue with them about the super bit at first. First of all, you join them because they're finally conceding a problem that they mm. usually deny as a problem. Yes, house prices are ridiculous. Yes, something has to be done about it. Yes, this generation is being locked out of housing. Yes, it's a real thing that we can't just move on from. Yes, it's something that has to be tackled. We have to do something about house prices. Reinforce their line. For yep. as long as let them boost with them about the real problem until it's so clear everybody accepts that's the problem and then you can be coming in and like cool and this is what we need to do about it these are the things we need to do to rein in the amount of money that's being poured yeah. into that system now we can do the problem because the problem's now been established yeah and stop fighting about the super <laughs> stop fighting about the solutions start fighting start reinforcing them about the problem and the issue in the first place until they're really dug into that hole that that is an issue mm. and then you can start having that debate about what the solution is and and it's, their argument is not very strong about the solution because if you put the super money in it will in fact make housing more unaffordable like yeah literally you're pouring more money into the thing where you've identified that the money being in there is the problem but so as the left we need to when the when the the right flip on it we need to not just turn around and be like oh that's not what you were saying yesterday we need to be like ah yes no you're 100 right we agree mm. they're very this is a very they're making a very good point how's and the same thing about big tech big corporations being beyond control and 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 uh, needing to be reined in with the regulation that they usually decry so, yeah, by all means, we can join in with you. Yes, Big Tech is overly powerful. Yes, all of these very large corporations are beyond the reach of regulations and need to be reined in 100%. We can back you up yep. on that. And and it's not just the tech ones. It's also the massive uh, lack of, of um, power between ordinary citizens and, I don't know, News Limited and uh, Nine, for Absolutely. example. Absolutely. Uh, now, that's the point at which, which we will diverge, but it'll be harder for them to do a U-turn at that point once we've locked them in on the, no, no, these, you know, you're right, big corporations are, are without restraint because then, then they're suddenly like, oh, no, but these ones that act without restraint are okay because, of course, part of the other problem, the other reason why they're running this is because Nine and News are busy having a fight with Google and Facebook and want the government to restrict Google and Facebook mm-hmm. and they're trying to use it. So my point is... It'd just be nice if people on the left, if, if the, the, the political bodies that we have were able to see these opportunities when the right is suddenly arguing stuff that is consistent with what we have been pushing for for a long time and t- let them run the ball in our direction, help them run the ball in our direction and then pick up the ball and take it the rest of the way. Yeah, absolutely. And because then you have them buying into your line and they're actually sitting there going, oh shit, what have we agreed to? Mm. What exactly? Well, they won't agree to the end point. But, but once that, the point is getting that established in the minds of the, you know, the public generally, that that's a problem. Mm. That's something to be dealt with. And as soon as that's in there, then it's harder for them to do business as usual, which is, of course, what the conservatives generally want. Yeah. Yes. Oh, did you see that not only has Scummo pushed everybody who's without employment, who's currently, you know, in the, the million Australians who... who there Can't are not enough job. jobs for. Yeah. Well, there are not enough jobs for. Yeah. 
And he's pushed them back to $50 a day, which is starving. Yes. Did you see that they're planning by uh, April to push them all back to $40 a day? Because starving them on 50 is not vicious enough. You're right. And they're also cancelling JobKeeper. Because <laughs> the problems are solved. Well, if you only compare the problem with you know, the bushfire period when, when the numbers were already down. Exactly. And it's interesting that they're saying, oh, well, the numbers went up in December. December, which is right before Christmas, right before the start of summer holidays. Right before people... the, the second, the further wave. Yeah, but like people were finally free and doing stuff. People were starting to do a bit of traveling. People could travel. And so like people were absolutely taking up the regional travel they could do wherever they are, whether it be Queensland or Western Australia or Victoria. And... Yes, the numbers went up, but are they going to blip again, down again, then in January or February? Well, that, that, that's the point at which we'll look at lo- whichever trends, larger, longer term or shorter term, help us in the argument. Well, right now, having the having it uh, like looking back mm. as far as Dory from Finding Nemo, yes, that's appropriate. That's helpful for us politically, pretty much. And so, the restaurant and catering industry and the tourism industry have all complained about this because they said they're still being hit really hard, and even with the internal travel that's happening, they are nowhere near where they are uh, they should be, and that underemployment is down and and in the areas where that focus on tourism um there was a quote unquote news story on abc this morning about uh tamworth and how much they're suffering because their uh country festival got cancelled but that's the sort of thing that does happen these small towns depend on those festivals that bring in thousands of people for a couple couple days or a week um and so they're really impacted regional places are really impacted and uh frydenberg did a really sensitive letter in which he said that he considers the existing policy settings will continue to support a strong economic recovery and they are not contemplating a hospo keeper package at this time. Hospo keeper. Yeah, screw, screw your hospitality. But uh, uh, hospitality did better than the universities where they specifically... Oh, he did, <laughs> you know, they did get heaps of support. Like, absolutely. But they still need it. Like, there are still challenges. That, of course right. Those like, challenges haven't gone away. The, the idea that we're back to... Uh, well, sorry, the idea that we should ever be starving poor people. Like, let's be really clear about this. Scummo deliberately, they, because of the pandemic, when they had to raise um, the social security payments to the, because they, suddenly there were more Australians on them who were going to realise just how impossible it is to survive on the level that they generally send out. Like, they actually raise it to a, a livable level. Mm. Uh, and then they have deliberate. so the, the question, can Australia solve poverty? Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. well, apparently we could, we did. Uh, not obviously. There's some ongoing le- legacy issues, and so the, all the problems from poverty weren't solved. But the the uh, creating more poverty issue was was resolved, and they've yeah. just gone. Yeah, no, no. You know, I'm a Christian prime minister. I don't want to be solving poverty. Uh, <laughs> I'll just yeah. start. Generational I'm... poverty wasn't solved. Long term issues and debt weren't solved. But for a short term, mm-hmm. people weren't in the situation that they weren't able to buy food or pay their bills. They yeah. actually found themselves in a position where they could do both. Yeah. But anyway, that's all right. So that's, that's the kind of... Like, just if you need any reason to kick out Scummo, the fact that he is just grinding the poor down like this... Is I right. like this quote, actually. He thinks that businesses need to make tough choices because it's not sustainable to use debt to prop up the economy. When, when he says, make tough choices, that'll be sack people and starve people. Yeah. Like, he's but, like... What he he always uses debt to prop up the economy. That's what they do. They give people tax cuts and they create debt by doing it. They pr- try to have this excuse that they're propping up the economy. Well, they turn yeah they they create public debt by by saving rich private. people from private uh, debt. They prop up businesses all the time. They just these aren't the businesses they want to prop. Yeah. 
anyway, I'm I, I just think that this, the, the the fact that we like the fifty dollars was bad enough. I the, there was there was I genuine the okay. I always expected them to go back to something cruel like fifty dollars a day. I didn't think. I don't know why. Maybe I don't understand how I've been doing this podcast for so many years, and, and I still thought that that would be as bad as it got. Mm. The idea that they actually are going to grind them back to forty is just that. That's worse. Yeah, that's no. worse than I thought. I didn't. I I, I thought that because fifty is not enough anyway. And I thought that was as bad as they were. But they were like, if it, you know, implicitly conceding they had to increase it a little bit. Yeah, and I thought that was going to be it. I thought that was going to yeah. be the bare minimum they were going to do, but apparently no. No, they're still going to kick people. There is no depth to which they will not sink. This podcast is brought to you by Weeping Uncontrollably. You're sitting there in a waiting room and you pick up a tabloid newspaper. You're cleaning up after your children whilst listening to a podcast. And there it is. You've just learned of a new cruelty imposed by the people in power in this country on the most vulnerable how can you process this new horror? What can you do? Try weeping uncontrollably. It won't solve the problem, but it will mean that you still retain your ability to object to atrocities as they happen. 100% more effective at retaining your basic humanity than its nearest competitor, numb resignation. Try weeping uncontrollably today. Now, next week is January 26th, the anniversary of European invasion of Australia, which uh, apparently... The apolitical position, according to the Prime Minister, because you want to talk about, you want to inject politics into everything. Look, I think Australian cricket fans would like to see Cricket Australia focus a lot more on cricket and a lot less on politics. And so the apolitical position is to celebrate that as a great thing that everybody in Australia should celebrate and be happy about. Even though, even though his argument today was that when the first fleet arrived, not everyone was having a good time. Oh, so, no, it wasn't a particularly flash day for them. Those 12 ships turned up in Sydney all those years ago. It wasn't a particularly flash day for the people on, on, on those vessels either. <laughs> wait, wait, so your counterexample as to why 26th of January is a shit day to celebrate Australia Day is that it was also shit for some of the convicts. Mm. Well, um... <laughs> that's another reason that's it. Like, so, so why are you celebrating it, you complete lunatic? But the thing is, change the date as a dis- you know is, is rightly criticised as being a bit of a distraction from you know a treaty. And actually, you're, at the start of this podcast mm. is Australia's never come to terms with what we what actually happened to Indigenous people following uh, European arrival. Yeah, and that that's true. We have never dealt with the, for- the frontier wars. We've never dealt with the We've never made an effort to. Um, do a treaty it's always put in the too hard basket and so even it's so like on the spectrum of things that we need to do to to address our past and move on from it so all the people are like oh it was so long ago yeah. but, but don't you dare criticize Anzac Day well and Patricia Carvalis actually came out with something pointed mm-hmm. hold your breath does. no no sometimes <laughs> she does no, she just doesn't in interviews which is problems when she's having these conversations with someone like Scott Morrison she doesn't bring up these points oh, this, necessarily on, on the previous thing is, is it, ABC just gives them free run yeah. on all of these things they, they get to say these like um, Michaela Cash being like the numbers are up in December nobody in the, giving in, giving her free airtime on the national broadcast yeah. so it's like but like where does that fit in the context of 
the, the, you know, the last 12 months. Where does, and where it, does it fit in the context of yearly trends? Are the it, numbers always up a bit in December? Like, yeah, you know, exactly. like these are the sorts of things. But they, they don't ask that because yeah. they just give them a free spot. Like, what's the point of having the ABC? Anyway. But Carvalho said that, you know, to, to those suggesting it's all virtue signaling and merely symbolic, what is Australia Day other than symbolic? That's yeah. the actual point. So when Indigenous people tell us the symbol is a brutal one for them, it might be worth listening. Yeah. And uh, Linda Burney said that. How can we expect to see real progress on issues such as reconciliation and closing the gap when you make such ignorant and unhelpful comments? Suffering is not a competition. And, and then, then that got responded to by prime dickhead Alex Hawke. So if you, if you, I don't know if anybody... Alex Hawke was like this vicious young liberal... I think he was a president of the Young Libs at one point. Like he's, yeah. Like his, every horrible stereotype you can think of of Young Libs is, is Alex Hawke. He's a nasty... Nasty piece of work. He's like, ill-considered calls from Australian Labor and Zully Stegall for a minute's silence on Australia Day. But I did like that Briggs was calling for, but why, why not? Why, what a minute? 1,440 minutes <laughs> yeah, yeah, silence exactly. would be good. They're only divisive and seek to play negative politics with our history. The truth is Australia Day, 26 January, unifies us all because of our shared history, the good and the bad. Like, the, first of all, it's not apolitical. His position, you can't define just what you think as neutral politics and everyone else who's got a different opinion, they're the ones being political. Mm. It clearly doesn't unify us or we wouldn't be having an argument about it. Like, by definition, the fact that there are protests planned suggests that there is. it doesn't unify us. No matter how he screams, it unifies us. Like, you can't scream to people, shut up, shut up, you're unified with us. Yeah. Just stop arguing with me and we can all be unified. Like, fuck off. But, yeah. like, the fact is, we're having this big argument. The front, you know, the head of ABC News today, because Cricket Australia decided that they weren't going to promote their... Their matches, matches on January 26th as Australia Day matches. And so Scummo has to come out and criticise them for it. And then we have a big debate. So, like, this is the Conservatives are so successful at this. Like, we, we, treaty is where we need to be. Changing the date is like a bare minimum thing that needs to happen immediately. Um, but and then like a, a cricket organisation not using the name Australia Day for their cricket matches—that's where we're having the big fight. Yeah, like we're not even getting. So anybody who's arguing, you know, we, we, on the left, we need to go for gradual change, and you need to, you know, a little bit by little bit. Fuck it, they're going to tr- treat it like every as cricket Australia not calling it Australia Day is. The same. They get, I mean, there's only so much outrage you can literally yeah. convey in the media, and if they're going to go on, you know, at ten, if they're going to turn up to eleven, you know, yeah. for every little change, fuck it, give them the full one, put the treaty up. Yeah. Let's let's fucking have it on the actual subject. Yeah, absolutely. Well, it is that it is that worry that by having this thing, and if we do uh, get to the point where we do say change the date, that it'll be like, okay, problem fixed, all mm. done. And that's not. It's one tiny symbolic but thing. But you Aboriginal people promised that if we changed the date, that would be all that you wanted. No, no one, no one has ever said that. <laughs> no, no, but it's like it's like Lyle fucking Shelton, who's always out there being like, well, I did tell you that if they got marriage equality, the rainbow activists wouldn't stop there like they said. When the frick did LGBTI people ever say that, that marriage was the only type of equality they wanted? We never, like, that was a, that's a complete storm. Nobody ever said that was the end of it. The end of it is equality. We're not there, so we haven't reached the end of it yet. But it's like it's. We're in Victoria, so we have two big summer debates every year. We have, first of all, the one about whether whether Invasion Day should be held on the 26th. We also have. Invasion Day should happen on the 26th. But whether Australia Day should happen on Invasion Day. The other one is about Margaret Court. And the name of her arena and her LGBTQIA hating self. And apparently they're giving her an Australia Day honour. 
So we're having the debate about Margaret Court again. And uh, Daniel Andrews... Bruce giving her an Australia Day. Oh, Scummo. The, the Scummo has. So he's, he's doing a nice twofer there. You know, kick uh, the Aboriginal people and kick the LGBTQIA people. Um, good Christian man. And um, uh, Andrews actually said it uh, quite well. It's like, I'm sick of talking about that person every summer. We finish up having this discussion in one form or another every single summer. I prefer not to be giving oxygen to some of those views. I don't give out the gongs. That's not a matter for me. But you might want to speak to them about what they think about why they think those views, which are disgraceful, hurtful, and cost lives, should be honored. And he's made the very good point there. And he went on mm. to make a few more points. Like I've always been public about this. Like this is not thing. But Does like Victoria have they, any influence on the name of the freaking stadium? They should be honored. Can we change? Can Victoria just change it? I think they should. But can we, can Victoria like I don't who, know. who owns it? Who, I don't. I don't know. But I'm sure. I'm sure that the Victorian government gives money to Tennis Australia, so it could make a condition that they that they change the name of the damn thing. Anyway, I just... Uh. <laughs> Isn't it the thing, though, with honour? So a lot of the time your awards... Because, I mean, there's nothing neutral about awards. They have they have the subjective opinions mm. of, of the, the, the people, the standard people who end up running them. In the same way, it's like, what well, is the Australian this year, this week declared that Gladys Berejiklian was their person of the year? So, <laughs> so because she was able to brazen out the... Continuing a relationship with somebody who she had to sack from her cabinet for corruption, uh, uh, somebody where the New South Wales government kept giving money for their electorate, like, there's so much dodgy and dubious, and she got to brazen it out. So, you know, in a way, isn't that kind of heroic? Yeah. Could to the Aussies, it is. It's deranged. But it really does reflect on who's giving awards. So the Australian doing that just reveals what a fringe lunatic rag the Australian is. And the Australian Day one, what they tend to do is buy credibility for the award by and for themselves by extension by giving the award to deserving people like for some reason we think of a Rhodes scholar as being a positive thing despite the fact that Cecil Rhodes was a freaking monster yeah, yeah. and he's somehow got his connect, name connected to something positive because they've been giving Rhodes scholarships to yes decent people who do great you know who can achieve things then again you know, they've also given the people like Tony Abbott. So I feel like they've also, you know, dug a, dug a rod for their own backs. Yes, while I agree. To take a hole for themselves whilst building, putting a rod, making a rod for their own backs. But yeah, the, the Australia Day one, like when you are a deserving person and you win one of these awards, what's actually happening is that the credit that comes from your good works is being leached from you through the people running the awards who also give them to their mates, like the politi- ex-politicians and so forth. And so it's this system whereby the credibility from people who've actually done something mm. gets sort of transited from them across to the, the people with power. Yes. That makes sense, doesn't it? Sort of. What do you think? I tuned out because I was looking up who, who uh, owns Margaret Court Arena. Excellent. Well... Dear listener, I hope you were still listening. I, <laughs> I apologize. Um, it's owned by a trust, but it's uh, it is owned by a trust, which is therefore owned by the um, who's managing the, the it is managed by a private company, but it uh, the National Tennis Center Trust and the Olympic Park Committee of Management were merged, and it is now um, the there's Melbourne there's and Olympic Parks Trust. But there is a minister. It falls under the Minister for Tourism, Sports, and Leisure. Name it, Surely, my record's yeah. done enough horrible shit by now. You just read name it. Australia versus humanity. Well, we're really popular this week internationally. Australians, I mean, in Australia. 
I mean, I mean not, not just with the new U.S. administration. Not just with the new U.S. administration. More than 30 countries have condemned Australia at the U.N. over our high rates of child incarceration and the fact that our uh, minimum age of criminal responsibility is 10 instead of what, much more reasonable 14 and that we've delayed raising it to 14. Oh, they yeah. hate us. They really hate us. Oh, they're going to send us flowers next. Pointy ones with like you so, prick your finger so about, on. About the, about the same time. As this is happening, uh, Dutton decides to release some people from detention. Oh, as a cost-saving measure. <laughs> two, well, lo- two lots of men that were uh, medevac evacuees that have been held in detention for up to about four years. Um, oh, sorry, more than a year. I apologize. Some of them were in detention for more than four years, but prior to being medevacs. How does he get this without everybody turning around and saying, so you concede that it's expensive and un- unnecessary? Yeah. So about 60 uh, men have been released, or about 60 detainees have been released in two batches. So there's now about 14 left who are apparently in real distress, like physical and emotional distress, because they want to know why they are still being held. Um, But the rest of them have been given bridging visas and put into the community. Bridging visa is the one where you, you still can't work or survive? It depends on the conditions of the bridging visa. Oh, I had a rant on this podcast before about how visa conditions that stop you working are a, a, a absolutely are monstrous. Yes, and that both stop you working and stop you getting any sort of social support. Yes, but uh, so it depends on your bridging visa condition. Like when I had a bridging visa because I was on a visa that that allowed me to work, my bridging visa to getting my partner visa was bridged those same conditions. Right. So it depends on the on the visa you're on. So I don't know the specifics. So they probably can't work. They're probably, they're probably going to be just thrown into poverty like, like the, all the international students were. But it's cheaper for the government that way. The other thing that happened was that the uh, Australian government accidentally uh, sent letters to people, visa applicants. They were told to leave the country because there's a whole bunch of visas that can only be awarded while you're overseas. So they were oh. actually told to fly out of the country to have their visa awarded and then come back. Oh, there's like... So I had a... I knew somebody at some point who's who's... Grandmother was very ill, and they but they had to keep flying them back to the UK every year or so. Like, there are a bunch of visas yeah. where you have to literally go back to the country. They've gotten rid of some of them. So the partner visa, they've gotten rid of the one where you need to fly out of the country to get your partner visa awarded. Because when I was getting my partner visa, I had to go back to Canada. Well, I didn't have to go back to Canada, but it made sense because I could leave and work in Canada, and we didn't know how long it was going to take. Some people just go to New Zealand or do, they, like, there's often, like, these things where they take, like, a three-day trip somewhere and their visa can be awarded. What is interesting is the parent visas, for example, as you just mentioned, is not one of the ones where they've revised that. And so there, but there's a bunch of, yeah. The important thing is to force old people to go back to COVID country. Yeah. And so they've said that it was a mistake and they didn't mean it that, you know, all these visa extensions have been given and some workarounds have happened and, and they, they didn't mean that. Oops. It is good to see Australia versus humanity return. It's never really left us, but it's just for for some reason we haven't been. They they inadvertently received uh, advice they shouldn't have. Mm. Inadvertently. <laughs> Inadvertently, did, did our cruel panic thing. and stress and cruelty. Uh, well, it's, our, it's our default cruel thing, which is, I mean, it's always cruel. But the thing is that in, right now it seems too cruel, so we should have reined it in a level of cruelty that's now slightly higher than the level of cruelty that we intend that we that is our default level. Yep. But it's like once you've got a, a bureaucracy that's already being cruel. It's they they it's like a very large ship. It's very hard to, to to like tilt them off that. And they're like, no, no, you will get to go back to being cruel. But we've just seen a bit of 
too much cruel where there might be some kind of restriction on us if we keep doing it. So let's we're gonna go around that bit of cruel so that we can get back to course of being properly cruel once this crisis is the, over. The intentionally cruel, not the inadvertently cruel. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, like uh, apparently foreign agent Kevin Rudd, uh, our foreign agent. Uh, Denicia Pico is going to have to, you've got to return to your, your gainful employment and I have to go look after some children. So we'll run this one to a close. But uh, Denise, where can people find you on the old toots? They can find me at Deansy on Twitter. And we can, you can find us at Well May We Say on Twitter. And uh, anything you want to discuss about the, this week's episode and so forth, please contact us there. Also, thank you to our Patreon subscribers. You are how the podcast keeps going. Thank you very much for your continuing support. Thank you, Alex Long, for the artwork. Thank you, Robin Gray, for the music. And we'll see you all next week. See you then. Bye.